Lonnie, Lonnie, this guy ain't gonna run. He'll sneak and he'll hide, but he ain't gonna leave Brooklyn. Now look, I'll feed you every dope dig and dive he's got. But let me do it my way. You just give me an unmarked and a shotgun, all right? of the And Why Not Summer of Action Specials 2022, the summer special episodes from the movie podcast and the nerds who haunted themselves. I'm Stuart Moraine, and each episode for this 10-part series of specials, I'm joined by a guest to talk about an 80s or 90s action movie selected from the long list the guests had to pick from. So far, we've talked about Lethal Weapon, Beverly Hills Cop, Cobra, Commando, Taffin, The Rock, Last Action Hero, and Con Air. And still to come, we have Face Off. For this episode, though, I was joined by Tony Esmond to discuss the Steven Scale action thriller, Out for Justice. I hope you enjoyed the film talk, and as always, and if you feel like doing so, you can keep the conversation going in the comments on our socials, in the And Why Not Facebook group, or wherever you see this episode posted. And now, with an advance warning on spoilers and all that introduction stuff out of the way, let's roll the trailer for Out for Justice. It's miles from civilization. Give the arm, huh? But just one subway stop from Manhattan. Hey, you want a party? Brooklyn. <laughs> they were friends. Ever since we was little. Born on these streets. One of us. Family. Now, after 15 years... Who ever thought that I would have become a cop, huh? They will play cops and robbers one more time. But this time... Richie got out of the car and just stepped up. Bang. It's no game. Three of his crew were with him. Steven Seagal. I know this guy better than anybody else. I know the neighborhood better than anybody else. Out for justice. I'm gonna keep coming back until somebody remembers seeing Richie. You know, you know our ways. He must be dealt with by us. Over here, Sal. Get in the car! Find this guy before you do. You know what I'm gonna do. So you still call me here like a girl. Body count's going up, Gino. I'm starting to get in a bad mood, you know? Maybe it's like a mood swing, my hormones, I don't know. In this neighborhood, someone's got to take out the garbage. Steven Seagal, out for justice. Hello, Tony, how are you? All right, man, how are you? I'm, I'm all right. I've been looking for Richie. Oh, Richie, uh, do you know why kid? Killed Bobby Lupo at all? I, I don't. I'm trying to find out. I'm trying to we, get there before the mob do. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't even rehearse that, and that was like perfect acting. Perfect. So proud of you at this point, Stu. <laughs> I know. I, I wish we'd gone full Brooklyn accent, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there is a story about that because I think you'll find that um, Stephen had to instruct someone on their Brooklyn accent, even yeah. though they were from Brooklyn. A, a, a native of Brooklyn. Yeah. That'd be right. Yep. Who, who allegedly replied with, "Trust me, you do." <laughs> yeah, he's wrong. Wow. Good. Certain people you don't correct in life, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's 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 lots of anything I've looked up online, unless I can find a definitive quote to the person involved, I use apparently and allegedly a lot. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. Just yeah. to cover my ass, because this is one of those films that I try to do a deep dive on it, but it's mostly hearsay and Wikipedia yeah. or IMDB trivia entries. <laughs> 
Yeah. So have you already said what the film is in your little intro bit? Have you? I have. Well, I will in the uh, intro intro bit. But yeah. Um, yeah. Not to oh. bury the lead, but yeah, for anybody who missed it, we're talking about Out for Justice, the uh, 1991 Steven Seagal classic. Yes, exactly. Okay. It's fourth yeah. movie. Yes. Oh, he is fourth movie. Fourth movie to debut at number one in the box office. Allow me to point that out to you. That's it. The one before arguably his biggest hit, which was Under Siege. Yeah, it's more a sort so, of normies film, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Under Siege feels less Steven Seagal than the other Steven Seagal films. It, does it feels a, bit, a little it? bit like they reined him in. Yeah. Um, so do, you know we'll the, get... uh, do you know what the alternative title is going to be? I do. I've got that written down as well. It's um, The Price of Our Blood. The Price of Our Blood. That's not as good as Out for Justice. I think that like Mark for Death and, you know, that they wanted those three words, apparently, the studio, didn't they? Yeah, because Seagal preferred that title and so did John Flynn. Right. Um, all right, quickly then, a bit of info on the film before we yeah. dive into it. So written by Dave Lee, uh, David Lee Henry, uh, which was a pseudonym for the novelist R. Lance Hill. Um, directed by John Flynn. Yeah. Uh, starring Stephen Scow, William Forsyth, Jerry Orbach, and numerous other people that was like, is that? Fucking hell, yeah. that's all from the R. <laughs> it, it, we'll talk about the best cameo in it in a minute as well, I'm sure. Um, yeah, released in cinemas on the 12th of April 1991 in the US and the 4th of October 1991 over here. Right. Uh, grossed 39 million 673 161 worldwide on an estimated budget of 14 million. So was, you know, more than successful. Yeah. Um, yeah. To be fair, I think Seagal was successful up to around Fire Down Below, I think, was his first one that lost the studio money. OK. Um, right. I think otherwise he was either breaking even or I think even Under Siege 2 did well. Yeah, it did. There was, I mean, there was talk of doing about doing a third one at one point. Yeah. I think he's still trying to get a third one. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I couldn't find a written Roger Ebert review, but on an episode of Siskel and Ebert, Roger Ebert gave the film thumbs down, saying, uh, it's not a movie that I hate. There's interesting stuff about it. Seagal is interesting on the screen. Um, it becomes repetitious after a while because the search goes on for so long. Uh, Gene Siskel was more positive about it and gave the film thumbs up and said that he enjoyed watching Seagal. Um, so, yeah. But, what do these people know? Who are these people? Well, I mean, the the thing I like, I've said it before, the thing I like about Roger Ebert and that is when I agree with them, I really agree with them. When I disagree with them, I outright disagree with them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, it is a bit repetitive at times. It does feel a little bit like it was. But, I mean. I, felt I refuse to accept that point. Um, it's, uh, it's, Stuart, it's we've already talked about this. <laughs> we, uh, I love how many times we go back to the bar. Yes. <laughs> Which is, I think, is Seagal's favourite scene of all time. Yes. The bar scene, um, where he does keep shouting Bobby Lupo a lot um, <laughs> in there. And this is your this is your trophy. He holds his badge up, and he. That's it. This is your prize. Um, and, and how many E's are in Richie? <laughs> well, there ain't nobody upstairs. Yeah, I love that scene. Love That's that. one of my favourite. Do you know why he's chasing um, Richie though? What within the film? No. Do you know the phrase he uses in that fight? Why he's chasing him? Because he is, Richie is, as we all know, a chicken shit pussy arsehole. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the phrase he uses. And my other favourite 
my other favorite line in that fight is when he's behind the bar and he's knocked the dude out who's the boxer and he's pushed him over and um he says he's throwing the glasses and throwing beer at people and going what's this what's this what's this and he literally picks up a hot dog and goes whose hot dog is this <laughs> <laughs> yes i every time i see a hot dog now i say whose hot dog is this it's like literally in me this movie lives within me yeah um i'd like to just say before we begin i am very much a Seagal fan I'm even wearing a T-shirt about Steven Seagal at the moment, which I took a picture of. I know he's in now, currently in your bank. And um, I think over the years, Stu, if you allow me just to soliloquy just for a minute around him, we've had some legends of filmmaking, haven't we, over the, you know, the years of Hollywood and just movie making. So we've had auteurs who have been creatively individualistic and original. You know, we've had Orson Welles. We've had Laurence Olivier, Hitchcock, Coppola, you know, Werner Herzog, a favourite of mine. Goddard, Chabrol, Scorsese, Cronenberg. And for me, sitting amongst these giants is Steven Seagal. When you look at it, I actually consider him better. And this is the reason. Not only is a writer and director and actor like these dudes. I mean, not all of them are actors. Cronenberg did the odd bit, didn't he? He's also yeah. a musician. Plays slide guitar in a band, which often... He's, he's got two movie. songwriting credits on this film. Yes, exactly. Um He's a master of martial arts, the art of um, Aikido. He's a sensei. Um, it's, there's nothing he can't do, I think, when you look at Mr. Seagal. You know, he's got infinite range in his acting. Um, he And he, I actually think he can play anything. People underestimate what his range is like. For me, if I was going to be a film director, this is so, just some of the casting I would do. You know, if I was going to make a, a remake a movie, Sons and Lovers, I wanted someone to play Walter Seagal. Yeah. I've got someone to play King Lear, Seagal. Miracle on 44th Street, who's going to play Chris Kringle? Seagal. Bond, Indiana Jones, Bridget Jones. If we're making a Michael Jackson biopic, Seagal could play it. That's his range, I'll tell you now. And this is, I think this is his best film. That's not racist, he's just got range. Okay, that was going to be where... My later question of, is this the best Seagal movie? I think it is, actually. Yeah, I really do think it is. Um, also, he also is, is a master at picking names, isn't he, for his characters? Have you noticed that? Gino Fellino. Gino, Gino. Fellino. Just poetry. I wrote down some of his other names. Well, allegedly, he asked for, like, the most Italian-sounding name, and that's what they gave him. <laughs> Gino Fellino. <laughs> it works. Maybe it's a little nod to Fellini. We don't know. Could be. Yeah. Um, well, so, you have a little nod to the French connection in this, where he's doing the car chase. Yeah, there is, isn't there? And with the Beastie Boys over the top of that, how good is that scene? I was going to say, I literally wrote that down. I was like, shit, we got the Beastie Boys on this soundtrack. Oh, no sleep till Brooklyn, because it's based in Brooklyn. I don't know if you're aware of that. But the uh, so here's some of the names he's done. He plays in other movies because I think that there's some good ones here. In uh, Above the Law, which I don't know if you know this, in the UK it was it was um, um, credited as it was named Nico Above the Law. Yeah. Um, he plays Nico Toscani. Um, in Hard to Kill, he plays Mason Storm. Yeah, Mason Storm is the man. He won't just take you to the bank. Where will he take you, Stuart? He'll take you to the blood bank. <laughs> um, in Mark for Death, he played John Hatcher. As that's we all know, a, that's kind of a flat name compared a bit to flatter, you, isn't, it? isn't it? Yeah. Uh, um, in was that uh, his under, grounded movie? Maybe Mark for Death. Yeah, maybe you thought, oh, let's have something a bit more. John Hatcher. Yeah. Um, in Under Siege, we all know the both the movies. He was Casey Ryback. Yes, he was. Yeah. Two wise. 
Take his pies out of the oven. Yeah, yeah, take my pies out of the oven. Yeah. On Delhi ground, Forrest Taft. Um, (laughs) In executive decision, he was Lieutenant Colonel Austin Travis. Um, Not for long, though. Spoilers. No, no, only 15 minutes. I was disappointed about that. I was. Um, I was devastated. I'd just come off under siege. I was like, cool, another Seagal movie. I was like, oh, all right, maybe not. Yeah. In um, Although his delivery of the line, you will. In the in the movie The Patriot, which I don't know if you know, this was the first director sort of video one he did. Um, he was um, Dr. Wesley McLaren. He was a doctor in that one um, in Exit Wounds, um, which is really good, which is um, I watched just the other day. I've been on a bit of a binge encouraged by this podcast. He was Orin Boyd. Um, now, I think there's a little bit of a, um, a call forward here. There's an echo of, of sins of future past going on in Half Past Dead which is um, also good because it's got Claudia Christian in it, who I'll watch anything she's in. Um, and, and he plays Sasha Petrozevich, which if you've ever heard him say Vladimir Putin, you'll understand maybe that's where that came from, you know. Yeah. Um, and then it doesn't get so good. In The Foreigner, he's Jonathan Cold. Um, and no word of a lie, in Out for a Kill, he's Robert Burns. So he's literally Robbie Burns. Yeah. So he's Cold and Burns in two different films, which I thought was kind of good. There's one where he's a professor, isn't there? Yes, he does play a professor in one of them. Yeah, that is true. In Into the Sun, he's Travis Hunter. It's quite cool. <laughs> so he chooses some good names. I don't. I look. We're going to get into these stories of you know people love to knock his movies, right? Um, but the amongst them, you know, the the mass of hypocrisy in Hollywood. There's so many people you could pick on rather than picking on him. He just makes good, fun films. I mean, yeah. I mean, that dude in Top Gun is a Scientologist, for fuck's sake. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I mean, Mason Storm. I, I mean, we'll, we'll get into a little bit later, uh, sort of talking about Seagal Beyond, because he seemed to burn bright and then fade to D, straight to DVD quite after about ten years. I mean, he. I mean, he wasn't a young man when he made it. He was in his sort of mid-30s in um, Nico, wasn't he? Well, yeah, um, given that he, you know, straight into leading man. Yeah. But he, was goals, a, he was a stuntman and, you know, before was that. Smashing, yeah, yeah, because he um, did some work on Never Say Never Again, didn't he? Because he allegedly broke Sean Connery's wrists for training, yeah. wrist for training him. Yeah, and you can see from his style of work, you know, style of martial arts, maybe that is a possibility because it's not difficult to break a wrist with Aikido, is it? You know, sort of thing. Um, I was watching the um, behind the scenes stuff. I don't watch Star Wars series, no nonsense. But I, was, I saw a clip of the um, Obi Wan thing t- today, and he was using Seagal moves. Did you see that? I haven't watched it yet. Oh. Yeah, he was using like Aikido moves in it. Yeah, it's pretty good. But did you want to give a summary of what happens? We haven't really said what happens yet, have we? I suppose. Um, no, I mean, again, because we do spoilers, I'm going to assume people have watched the film in advance. Um, okay. But. But yeah, it's basically. Is he his partner or? Yeah, he's his partner. Bobby his partner, yeah. Yeah, um, Bobby Lupo. His, his partner gets gunned down. Something gets thrown on him, but then that's disappeared by the time the police arrive at the body. We later find out what it was and what happened to it. Yeah. It, it's basically. Um, Seagal looking for the guy who. Uh, yeah, Richie Madano. Yeah. Um, and also another great name, Richie. Madonna, the first bit of his name is mad yeah you know yeah william forsyth is up to 11 at the start of this film he's got nowhere else to go 
William Tortas is one of those crackheads who not only loves crack, but clearly loves eating pies as well. <laughs> Normally people lose lose weight, don't they, on hard drugs? William, he just goes full in, doesn't he? He's like, do you remember the, the mayor of, is it the mayor of Vancouver or Toronto? Do you remember that mayor out there who's just always on crack? Yeah. Yeah, he looks a bit like, a bit like him from a few years ago with a moustache. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I love William Forsyth anyway. He's clearly hmm. still in flat top mode from Dick Tracy, but yeah. I'd say usually that's not the guy that leads your group. That's usually your Michael Madsen character or somebody in there. Yeah, he, he did do with you. Your Joe Madsen, Pesci character. Yeah. Yeah, he did ticker, didn't he, with Madsen? Um, yeah think, yeah um yeah so i mean this gets me what you're talking about there so it, it opens should we do the, the opening first and then i'll get onto my theory about what kind of movie it is in a with, second with the drug with bust the, waiting to happen pimp. yeah and then you know seagal blows cover and then every fucking cop gino gino blows gino what are you doing gino's going and then someone radios so well, what happens we, is we jump ahead slightly because we open with oh. an arthur miller quote Oh, dude, what was it saying? What does that say? I can't remember now. It's I can't remember now either. It's about Brooklyn. It's about, um, you know, everybody knows you in your thing. You cross the line. Once you cross a line, everybody becomes strangers. Oh, um, OK. But, you know, I mean, I'm just to let you know that this is this is your high end stuff. We've got an Arthur Miller quote to kick yeah, things exactly. off. Yeah, although I do remember going accidentally getting on the wrong tube train and going. This was late 80s going from Manhattan to Brooklyn. And that was before it was hips to Brooklyn. And like suddenly just being aware that every round, everyone around me was a crazy person, you know. Um, and then I, I hung about a, a bit in Brooklyn waiting for a friend and then got the train back. And it was definitely just that bit of water makes it back to be a normal town again, I think. Certainly yeah. it was back then. Yeah. And any pimps in really nice red boots? <laughs> the, yeah. So those who haven't seen it. it Which opens... you fuck it in my head all out with sex wellies. <laughs> yeah, sex wellies. Yeah, Harris. Um, so. <laughs> for those who haven't seen it, it has the best opening of probably any any movie. I know people are fond, fond of the frame it's cinematic, you know, but this is really iconic. So Gino and his crew, he's on narcotics. They're in a they're on a stakeout, and they're waiting for this million pound cocaine bus to go down. And just out of his peripherals, out of the corner of his eye, Gino can see an argument beginning to flare up between a pimp who is literally out of Starsky and Hutch. He's your classic 80s, 90s pimp. Yeah. Wearing a coat over his shoulders, can't bother to put his arms through the sleeves. You know, he's one of those sort of dudes. Um, I think I think he's um, according to Wikipedia, the bloke who drives him is his chauffeur is is quite a well-known reggae guy. Um, Yeah. But he's this dude. So he's he's strolling about and he has to he he gets one of the girls over and he starts hitting. And of course, Gino, because he's a good dude, he can't stand it. So he's prepared to blow the million dollar you know cocaine bust by running over and of course this dude starts on him you know he says he's i'm gonna fuck your family and all this sort of thing so seagal picks him up and he's got like those he's got like cuban heels on this dude isn't he and he throws him through the windscreen of the car and then you get a pov through from the inside of the car out to a freeze frame of seagal's face looking well hard looking then his name appears on the screen steven seagal and it like frames it with this the, the broken window, Stephen Scale, and then we get out for justice. And like I remember seeing this with some friends. We may have been quite drunk um, when it came out first on VHS, and we cheered. It was like <laughs> the best opening ever. You know, this dude, this dude deserved it. He don't beat up women. Do you know what I mean? And Gino, he revenged him. He does a couple of things like that. He does later with the dog, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, he saves a dog as well in this movie, which yeah, made him a good guy. They, they really like to show that Gino's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. 
yeah that is the best opening i really do love that opening yeah i can't remember what it was but it was one review or something and it basically their sum up for the film was steven scal is a good fella going after a bad fella <laughs> yeah 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 uh, and uh he throws art dog at someone <laughs> and the best line of the movie is from gina gershon who says that much crack does not promote rational thought <laughs> which seems quite a coherent thought from good old gina in the middle of that, that movie yeah I, I don't know i quite like the uh after the when the butcher pulls the gun on him where he's like yeah <laughs> Be a bad guy. Be a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. One of the best fights in that where he kills someone with a sausage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I gotta admit, there is there is a nice level of humour in his fights. He doesn't move yeah. a lot. I know that's the Aikido style. It's very Yeah, well it was designed to take swords off samurai, wasn't it? If you if you yeah. lost your your sword on the field of battle, um, it was designed to, to disarm someone who comes at you. You know, so it is i mean, I I did some um training in it for you know for a couple of years and it's it's wrist locks and arm locks and pressure points and balance and stuff like that and um he looks good doing it it was i think the reason i liked it at the time is everything was like punching everyone was punching people and stuff and there never seemed to be any um injury you know or ramifications of you know good kick in the chin or something outside of um hong kong cinema and uh, all these people were like throwing roundhouse kicks and punches and, you know, all this haymakers and stuff. Nothing seemed to be happening other than they'd always knock someone out if it was required in the script. But this one, you watch it and you think, Jesus, that's a lot of blood. Yeah. And that's how he started. That's how Nico started. You know, all those fights all the way up to this. You know, there's blood. I mean, at one point, the, the final fight in this is like watching torture porn. <laughs> it just doesn't stop. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's the classic action movie cliche, isn't it? It all comes down to a final fist fight. Yeah, yeah. No weapons job. Even he puts the weapon aside, doesn't he? Because he's just thinking, you know, this is yeah. how it's got to end. Who the fuck you think you are, huh? You like to beat up on fucking women, is that it? Huh? Beat up on me, asshole. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right, you bad motherfucker, huh? I know where you live, you stupid motherfucker. I will fuck your wife and kill your mother. Yeah, so which which I know you were going to ask me about it being an action film or not. You said earlier, didn't you? Um, yeah, because, I mean, you look at sort of action movies at the time of action movies now, it's all fast, yeah. high-octane movies. Like I say, this is a very low-energy sort of action movie if it does indeed fall under the action movie I mean, obviously it's categorized as an action movie yeah um there's not that many fight scenes in it though yeah there's not i i actually think um you've got the fight scenes you've got the one car chase but even the car chase is fairly like i say it's a bit of a nod to the french connection so you feel a little bit like you've seen it done better before yeah i'm not yeah. dissing the film um <laughs> But before yeah, you, before you come after me with your Akita. <laughs> but that, I mean, that hit that the, when he was that that car thing was great. You know, yeah. there is a tension to it, and I can see why people do describe it as uh, an action movie. I've got a real um, bee in my bonnet about action movies and um, intellectual filmmaking or uh, intellectual people examining film because all they ever do is talk about how um, uh, I, and what's the Bruce Bruce Willis one? Everyone reckons is a Christmas movie. Uh, Die Hard. Um, well, they all think that Die Hard is the ultimate action movie. And I'm like, that is clearly just people who've never seen Enter the Dragon. Yeah. You know, I mean, Die Hard is is like watching, um, you know, a boring art house movie compared to Enter the Dragon. 
you know. Yeah, um, I mean, I suppose action movie, the genre shifted, didn't it? Yeah. I suppose Enter the Dragon falls more into your martial arts from there, but martial arts movies are action movies. Yeah, of course they are. Yeah. But this is a martial arts movie in a way. Martial arts you know. became its own genre, didn't it? And Yeah. Yeah, and I think we began to intellectualise action movies at exactly the wrong time because the 90s has an awful lot of very good action movies with a lot of cocaine in them. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not visible, just up people's hooters. You know, you can see the amount of cocaine that was being used at the time. Um, but I actually, uh, I actually think the line um, of this movie comes, I think the um, the vibe of this movie comes from a different set of DNA for me. I think this has more to do with the Death Wish movies than it does with the um, 80s and 90s action movies. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's more to do with Death Wish and maybe Point Blank and possibly The Exterminator, maybe Rolling Thunder or The Limey than it does with like um, Beverly Hills Cop or Lethal Weapon or any of those sort of movies. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, um, it's get Carter sort of revenge. Yeah. You know, seeking out justice for yeah. a brother, a partner. And it's more grounded than those movies. You know, we don't have people like jumping off buildings, just you know, hanging onto their belt and things like this. You know, it's it's more it's like Die Hard meets on the waterfront. You know, there's yeah. there's there's much more of a, a a realness to this than a lot of those action films, I think. Yeah, I mean, this I mean, this is the last one we're recording in this whole thing. It's been interesting going through all these different action movies from the 80s and 90s. It is so you've got like commando where they were kind of like fuck it plot doesn't matter anymore just arnie shooting and blowing shit yeah. up and doing one-liners yeah and that seemed to run for a little while you had cobra that tried to do something again we talk about it on the cobra episode but something jalo yeah. inflected yeah there's Very a dirt there's a dirt misses but yeah 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 <laughs> um and then sort of by the time you get to lethal weapon it becomes more your buddy cop action movies and that sort of fizzles out quite quickly again with yeah. that and then 48 hours and the like and um yeah then it seems to plot seems to come back in a little bit with the likes of the rock and then a year later they're with con air they're like fuck it the thinnest premise will do yeah and then and you get to face off which is just plot doesn't really matter at all does it <laughs> yeah they yeah they i mean this is pre-internet you know pre-mobile phones pretty much you know, the cops probably had a pager and would have to go to a phone box, which is, you know, used as a plot device in this movie, isn't it? The phone box. Um, well, yeah, it seems to be a lot of montage of just Jerry Orbach pulling up in his car, telling him something that we don't hear and then driving off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but the kid at the end, the little Mexican kid who he's yeah. friends with, he phones him, doesn't he? And says, look, this, this is where the party's happening. He, good old Gino. He speaks a lot of languages. So he's all right. He understands it in Spanish. Well, I've got that because he seems to flip between conversations in Spanish and English and Spanish and then Italian and English. Yeah, he does. Isn't he? It's, it's, yeah. it's a little bit like I know these words and then we'll talk in English. And then I know these words. You see what you're saying here, man? You're saying range. That's what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying he's not quite completed his course on Duolingo. I'll give him he's, he's fluent in Japanese, though, isn't he? So I believe he is. Yeah. And Russian. Well. Yeah, yeah, they were faked photographs of him in Ukraine, by the way. They weren't true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I thought we might talk through some of the cast. How would that yeah. be? And, and the crew. Um, probably the person we should most start with is John Flynn, who is a really interesting film director. I know him and Segal didn't necessarily get on very well during it. 
Um, no, I've seen a couple of quotes where he's like, he loved working with him, William Forsyth. He loved working with Jerry Orbach. He just struggled yeah. with Seagal. Yeah. yeah uh, Seagal not he's got a little bit of the Vin Diesels. I think Seagal, and again, no disrespect, I know you're a fan, but he has yeah. a little bit of the, takes himself a bit too seriously at times, possibly believes his own hype a little bit. Um, well, when you're such an alpha specimen, it would be difficult not to. You know what I mean? Could, could you imagine him in a Fast and Furious, both of those egos? Yeah. Uh, uh, like I say, he could play He could play the car. He's got range, man. He could do anything. <laughs> in, so John Flynn, uh, he sadly died in 2007. Um, yeah. He was pretty much 60 years old when he directed this movie. So, you know, it was, it was one of the sort of last hurrahs for his career, really. But what a fucking career he had. I mean, he was... Um, he was his first assistant to Robert Wise in The Sound of Music. He was um, an editor on Citizen Kane. And not, I think one of many editors. There's a few people who worked on that. I know Wells himself edited some of it, didn't he? Yeah. Um, he was a script supervisor on West Side Story. And he was first AD on The Great Escape. Um, I mean, t- talk about a CV. You know, yeah, Sunday yeah. afternoon movie CV. Then you got it there, haven't you? You know. What's that? I mean, just Great Escape and Sound of Music, too. Yeah, yeah. Whether um, you like them or not, they're two all-time classic movies. Yeah, yeah. He directed a Parker movie as well. You know this thing about how Parker wasn't allowed to be Parker until Jason Statham played him. Yeah, and because Donald Westlake had died at that point. But there's a movie called The Outfit, which is absolutely crying out for a um, a Blu-ray release, I think. And it stars Robert Duvall, and it's yeah. um, it's a Parker book. So I don't. Have you read any of the Parker books? Um, I've read a couple of the Darwin Cook yes, graphic which novels. Are very good. I've not. Actually she read the books i've seen most of the parker movie or you know i mean the, the mel gibson one's movies. not bad i quite like the mel gibson one yeah i like the mel gibson one that was the first the one that put me onto the character of parker yeah yeah i quite like the jason statham one as well it's jason that's statham. the one with j-lo isn't it yeah it's a jason statham movie more than anything else but yeah yeah well, as long as you go in with that jason statham expectation it's a surprisingly enjoyable movie yeah yeah well he directed that with robert duvall um um, the outfit and it's, it's a really good book i haven't managed to see it yet because it just isn't available um, and he also directed rolling thunder yeah um which is often quoted by tarantino as a big influence um and that's another revenge one isn't it yeah um a couple of other ones i thought were worthy of a mention is um bestseller with james woods in which i really loved that was that little yeah. period i was hiring a lot of uh, vhs at the time and um i watched a couple of james woods and bestseller is a really good film um like a thriller thing yeah so um Brian Dehaney in that one. That's it. Yeah, Denny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dehaney, Denny. I don't need to say it. Yeah, but yeah, and um, also Lock Up with Sylvester Stallone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I have very little memory of that film. I know I've seen it, but... The first one's okay. The second one, I don't think I made it through. But uh, So, I mean, Flynn knows... uh, I do actually think that one of the um, things I would like to see in this film, because I I really do like this film, I genuinely find it, I've watched it probably 20 times, is I think it's suffers from um, unimaginative cinematography. I think when you when you got the you know there was clearly a budget for this. It was his third movie. You know they put they put a few quid into um, Seagal fourth movie. It was Seagal and the I think you could have done with a few crane shots, a few wide shots. Um, yeah, it's very you know this week's job kind of directing thing, isn't it? That's nothing against yeah. him. Um, talk about it a little bit with Richard Donner as well. I love Richard Donner, but there's certain things with like lethal weapon one of the great things about richard donner is that nothing right. really stands out flashy as a richard donner kind of thing right he's okay. very much yeah 
a job in a very good job in director. It always sounds like I'm being disrespectful to him, and I don't mean it. But he hasn't got like that Tarantino flash. Whereas you look, you can look at a Tarantino film and be like, yes, Tarantino. You yeah. don't necessarily look at a Richard Donner film and be like, that's a Richard Donner film. But when you look at the stuff he'd worked on previously, you know, Citizen Kane has the most imagined even now. Yeah. You know, and even um, there's the famous shots in The Sound of Music, you know, across the fields, and there she is in the middle of, you know, on Hill. And, and it's the same with The Great Escape. You Great would Escape, think, yeah. I just wonder whether he just saw this as a payday, man. That's a that's a problem with it. Um, yeah, I think, I wonder how much there was studio involvement getting in as well, because I know they, or, you know, allegedly from what I've read, the studio wanted a lot of cut down. So that's why you've got the two montages with, that were clearly dialogue scenes that they just decided to chuck music over. Yeah, Segal rewrote a lot of it as well, didn't he? Um, he, he quite heavily rewrote chunks of it, and also um, there I know was, a lot of William Forsyth scenes got cut, cut in the end. Yeah, yeah, there was a disagreement, wasn't there, about um, William Forsyth was almost like the main character in the movie at one point, and I think there was a disagreement around that. Whether it being I think there was Segal a little or, bit of the Alan Rickman in Robin of Prince of Thieves kind of thing, of like this yeah. guy's fucking stealing the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like you say, David Lee Henry, aka R. Lance Hill, um, he he wrote it. Um, Canadian writer. Um, also wrote, you know this. Um, do you know the other films he wrote? Yeah, I googled it and then I didn't write the fucker's name. All right, he wrote he, he wrote Roadhouse. That's right. <laughs> um, Roadhouse was on the long list of this. Yeah, <laughs> series um, of films. The Evil of Men Do, um, the Bronson movie, and Eight Million Ways to Die with Jeff Bridges, which is a good film actually. It's a bit yeah. of a forgotten one that one. Um, and Out of Justice was kind of his last script, although he is credited for some scripting in Roadhouse 2, which I, don't, I haven't seen. I, I think that was just characters. Oh, right. OK. From when right. I Googled it. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, I did, like I say, I did a dive on him because one thing had it credited as um, David Lee Henry and then other things had it credited as Arlance Hill. So trying to find out the different thing and then I found out. Yeah, so they're the same guy. It was just his. Uh... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think now, it's the poster's got him as David Lee Henry, and then IMDb has him down as R. Lance Hill. And I was like, shit, oh, okay. they changed writers partly through. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then slipped down that rabbit hole. But, but yeah, I mean, I know you're a big you're a big Roadhouse fan. I mean, talk I about unconvincing fighting. Yeah, Roadhouse is fucking great. <laughs> It's one of those so shit is brilliant. That's Dirty Dancing, isn't it? It's the same movie, isn't it? It's, it's Dirty Dancing with a throat getting ripped out. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, it's it's we... basically American Taffin. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, you love that, don't you? Vince is always sending me that YouTube of Taffin saying something mad. Well, again, Taffin was on the long list and I was amazed it got picked, but we ended up oh, talking about Taffin, so I had to revisit it. <laughs> Who did Taffin with you? Uh, Rob O'Connor. Oh, nice. OK, good. I'll listen to that one. I'm looking forward to that one. Um, now, I thought we could um, talk about some of the actors in this. Um, I might throw in the odd cameo because this this movie is absolutely packed with people we know and not necessarily we would have known them at the time, I think. So yeah, there's since. a lot of famous now or looks like somebody who's famous now. Yeah. So, again, Seagal was making stars with this movie. It's down to him. A lot of people have got their careers. I'll tell you now. Okay. Well, yeah, because there's a great Juliana Margulies yeah. interview that I read where, because um, this was her first film. That's right, yeah. And because um, he was working with Warner Brothers, he was on the set a lot when she was doing ER on the lot. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> he used to call her over and demand that she show him respect. She's like, right, too. Time for that guy. <laughs> yeah. 
maybe it could have helped her with her acting. I had to sit through the missus watched that, the good wife, where it is. I had to sit through six seasons of that. God, pull my eyeballs out. But yeah, uh, so she I plays. Like <laughs> she plays a sort of prostitute, come girlfriend, come sad. Ex prostitute now works in a video shop. Is that what she does? Oh, okay. That's yeah. That's what she says when she says she's given up. When Richie says, "But you wouldn't say no to me." Ah, uh, right. Okay. Yeah. Now, biggest cameo in the movie. Um, I'm going to ask you if you spotted it. Did you spot Julie Strain in this movie? No, I didn't. Where was Julie Strain? Now, you know who Julie Strain is, don't you? Yes, she's um. She, I think she was. I think she's passed away, isn't she? She was a porn star. Yeah. Like quite a big name. Did a lot of erotic thrillers and B movies, you know, and the sort of Playboy movies. And I think she wasn't she Judge Julie or something. She did like a porn version of Judge Judy, I think. Um, I think so because the girl that the woman that played Terry went on and did some like you know. Yes. She straight did. to video erotic thrillers, With didn't Tanya you? Tanya Roberts. I'd like to see that. Now Julie Strain is Roxanne, the girl in the Polaroid. Of course she is. The, yeah. yeah. Now everything links back to comics. As, as, we, as the honourable job of a. Uh, Playing yeah. the naked dead corpse. And they're dead corpse, yeah. Yeah. Now everything links back to comics. Who was Julie Strain married to? Do you know this one? I don't know. Kevin Eastman. Uh, yeah. How cool. Oh, is actually, that? I think I did know that. Yeah. Yeah, I was well pleased with that. Because it took me ages to work out who she was. Oh, it's her. I'm like that. She's the one who's in sort of features in a number of the Polaroids and then is the dead body in the bed, which he later finds oh. out, doesn't he? Yeah, it, it plays better later. But when Sigal finds those Polaroids in Bobby's desk and then pockets them, it's a little bit like, ew. And then he finds that big bag of cocaine. Like It just looks yeah. like a, a huge bag of flour, you know, because that's what that, you leave in your police desk. I was going to say, that guy is not careful around his police desk. No, either that, he's on a lot, he's on a lot of Jean-Luc Viali, isn't he? Up his Uter, that dude. Yeah. So maybe that's the, the root of all the problems. Do you know what I mean? Maybe that's where he became sort of sex, a sex freak. With all the all the um the marching powder, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you're right though. Terry, the waitress, was Shannon Worry. Um, she worked in a lot of erotic B movies, featuring also Tanya Roberts, um, who we're obviously big fans of for her Bond work. And what was the Jungle Girl she played? Oh, um, Sheena. Sheena. Sheena? That's it. Yeah. Sheena. Yeah. Because that was a newspaper strip, wasn't it? Sheena originally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's also in Animal Instincts one and two. Stop. Yeah. Go, don't go to eBay. Um, and she's Today. done some. She's done some Playboy movies. She's in a, a superhero-related TV series, which was from the 80s and early 90s, called Black Scorpion. That's it. You remember that? Um, yep. She's also in something called VIP. And I know you're a Seinfeld fan, and she plays cute girl in an episode of Seinfeld. That's yeah, good. she pops up in a couple of other things as well. It's not just straight to DVD erotic thrillers she was in. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the music is by a guy called David Michael Frank. I was looking at his website today, actually, um, and he's done. He's had music, and it, I think Segal went. He, he did music in a couple of other Segal movies. Did Hard to Kill and Above the Law, and Segal actually went to his house and they worked the music themselves. I think yeah. um, Segal had a big input into the music. He also did The Last Patrol, um, which is a good film. He did Showdown in Little Tokyo, which is the Brandon Lee Dolph Lundgren movie. Yeah. Um, with the lady from Wayne's World. She's in it as well. Um, um, Tia Curry. Tia, yeah, I think she, that's the second most paused video in the local video shop I used to go to after Under Siege 1. Well, yeah. 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 Uh, he also did the music. I haven't seen Showdown Little Tokyo for 
ages. It's not a bad film, actually. Yeah, yeah. I meant to Random. check it out after we did the Crow one. I went on a bit of a... Uh, okay. Crow. I never got yeah. into it. I, yeah, I might, I like it. I it's my favourite of his films, actually. I find the Crow a bit a bit of a drag sometimes to work through, but I do like him and Dolph Lundgren, actually. They they, they do work well as like a little double act, you know, I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was age perfect for uh, the Crow, the crow. When I came out. Well, you were goth up. Do you have a black overcoat? Like no, no, I wasn't, I wasn't goth up, but I was like moody teenage. So. <laughs> It's, it's, it's what I wanted to be. <laughs> yeah, he did some of the music in the mask, the first one. So that's cool, isn't it? Um, Forrest yeah. Gump, and I'm going to get you sucker, which is a good movie, which kind of takes the piss out of black exploitation movies, which I used yeah. to watch a lot. Of. Yeah, so that, he's he's quite an interesting fella. Um, I, mo- I note down a couple of the other ones. So Mr. Madano, Mad Ano, um, who doesn't have a first name in the movie um, and isn't credited with a first name. Um, who's Richie's dad? You know, at the one point, Stephen goes. Yeah, uh, he has a great scene. He has arguably one of the best dramatic scenes in the film. I thought when he's in the police station. Yes, it's the guy from The Sopranos, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's Junior Soprano, Corrado Soprano. Yeah, um, a lot of the dudes in this movie made a career of playing gangsters. So, um, I think he did as well. Um, but also he's in Godfather 2, he's in Dog Day Afternoon, yeah. Night Falls in Manhattan, Fort Apache, The Bronx. You know, they're all these sort of New York movies, aren't they, which are great. Um, and the guy who plays Don Vittorio, um, who's got a great boat race, isn't he? He's just got a great <laughs> face. Um, he's got that. Although that there was nose. a couple of things of those where I was like, is that, which guy's that guy? Yes, they all have that. They all look like they've got hair that sort of sits like a little helmet on their heads, don't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and that's Ronald McConey, and he is also plays gangsters in Casino, Goodfellas, and he's also in the Pope of Greenwich Village as well. Um, I'm guessing you're a fan of the Pope of Greenwich Village. That's probably your sort of era, isn't it? Like uh, I've seen it for a long time. I have yeah. seen it, but yeah, it's a good it's... one. I like um, that film actually. Yeah, and then I think probably my favourite cameo in the whole movie is not a cameo; it's part of the fight scene in the bar. Um, is um, Dan Inosanto, yes, um, who plays the character Styx, and I don't know if you know this, but it was this, it was the same in comics at the time as well. Um, that whenever there was a gang, they were always very um, diverse, weren't they? Yeah, well, you know, it's... the street punks would always have a black dude, a Hispanic dude, a white punk. You know, they're always like a mix. It was it was United Colors of Benetton. A little bit, street gang, it? wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> So in this bar that's run by um, the main villain's brother, who's um, a sort of um, old school Italian gangster. Let's face he's, it, he's having a very bad day in the at work. <laughs> his nose. Yeah, yeah. And uh, his bar gets trashed by Steven Seagal being a little bit of a dick. <laughs> that, that is a recurring feature in the movie. Whenever Seagal does something to someone, they have to tell Seagal about it. So at one point there's, there's a biker dude in there because it, it was such a diverse bar. You know, every every gangster area of the world is represented. So there's a biker in there and he knocks his teeth out with a, a pool ball, doesn't he? Um, and uh, he says, you've knocked my teeth out. And then later on, Seagal shoots someone's leg off and he says, you've shot my leg off. Yeah. It's, it seems to be like a recurring thing in a lot of his movies. The other thing he also does in a lot of his movies, he always empties his gun in exactly the same way. Yeah. He's always got that 45 automatic and he always empty, empties it in exactly the same way. So I think it's cool. But Stick Stanner in Asante is an absolute master. He is such a dude. I can only think that Seagal must know of him, must have known um, his reputation um, because he um, he'd been trained by Bruce Lee, Dan Asante. He's I think he's level three in the game of death, the 
Bruce Lee movie. Um, he's in Big Trouble in Little China. Yep. He's in the movie called Spartan. I don't know if you've seen that. It's a really good film. Is that um, the Val Kilmer one? That's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he does stunts in a lot, a lot of movies. He's in uh, seventy, the seventy-five version of Killer Elite, the best one. Um, and he's also he taught Denzel Washington how to fight in the Book of Eli as well, which is another great film. Um, do you know? Do you know who storyboarded um, Book of Eli? It was Western from two thousand eighteen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and did he, did he do did he do Mad Max as well? Fury Road. Not sure. Uh, Brendan McCarthy no. did that, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, which is yeah, and I was a co-writer on that one actually. Um, but if you there's a great podcast called um, Clones of Bruce Lee. I think we mentioned it last time we talked films, didn't we? Um, I think we did. Yeah, when we did. Uh, uh, Battle Creek Brawl. Battle Creek Brawl, the big brawl. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, Clones of Bruce Lee talks a lot about Dan and Santi. I think one of the guests, one of the hosts on it, has actually met him and sort of trained with him. So it's quite cool. Um, yeah, there's some, there's some great there's some great actors in this. You know, outside of um, the, the sort of the headliners, you know, the Seagals and the William Ford Sites, um, you've got. I mean, Jerry Allbuck gets like third billing, doesn't he, in this? But he's barely in it. Yeah, again, I think Jerry Allbuck must have had a bigger part. Well, I, I get the feeling from those montages. There seems to be a lot of Jerry Allbuck in that. Yeah, yeah. I, I do love the fact that Seagals <laughs> give me an unmarked and a shotgun. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, he just does it, and he gives it to him. <laughs> oh, it's Gino, isn't it? Gino Fellino. I mean, if you're going to do downtrodden cop, you go Jerry Allbart, don't you? He made a career out of it with Law and Order in the end. Well, so. weary, yeah. Wasn't he? Didn't weary. he hold the record at the time for playing the the character the most or something on television? I think. No, that's um, I think he might have been the longest running character, but it's Richard Belzar for um playing Munch. He played Munch in Homicide Life on the Streets. Oh, I've not watched them. Oh, then okay. he carried over to Law and Order Special, but he's also popped up in things like Arrested Development as Munch. Oh, right. OK. Oh, Basically okay. a whole series of TV series that are connected. Uh, by the it. fact that Munch yeah. appears in all of them. Yeah. Orbeck's actually a really good actor. I really like I really watching like him. Yeah. And yeah. Really good singer as well. Oh, is he? OK. He's a Broadway actor. He's, um, I mean, you know, slight change of tone, but he's... Lemire in um, Beauty and the Beast. Oh, okay. He's going to be our guest. Is that the cartoon one? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've seen that. But the he's in um, Crimes and Misdemeanors, isn't he? The Woody Allen movie as well. Yes, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and interestingly, if you... Movie. Yeah, that's right. And if you look at his um, trivia on IMDb, he actually claims he was previously worked as a chauffeur for Mae West um, <laughs> and attended the Lee Strasberg Acting School. Can you guess who with? No, Marilyn Andrew. Monroe. Ah, yeah, yeah. That's you know their little period of you know. You're, you're um, glossing over the big thing though. He was in multiple episodes of Murder She Wrote. <laughs> oh shit! Well, everyone know, weren't they? And yeah. and he got his own spin-off from Murder She Wrote. He was the only one that got a successful in he that it ran not. for a whole series. What was it called? Uh, McGraw and oh, oh shit! Right. What was it called, mate? Because no, he was Harry that. McGraw. He had recurring character in it. Oh, I the Law and Harry McGraw, I think it was called. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. He's actually West 53rd Street in New York. is named after him. It's called Jerry Orbeck Way. That's cool, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I love Jerry Orbeck. Yeah, I do as well. Um, obviously, and he's a you... universal soldier. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's the scientist that originally worked on him. Uh, right. They go to his house when they're on the run towards the end. 
Ah, right. Okay. It's been a while since I've seen that. I saw the Scott Atkins one of that. You know, they, they, was it three? I think. Yeah. There's two competing timelines, isn't there? There was two and three that went straight to DVD and then they managed to get Van Damme back. So they did a whole new series of sequels that carried on from the first one and ignored the TV ones. Right. Yeah. The Scott Atkins one is. Handing over to Scott Atkins. I like Scott Atkins. Yeah, I do. I think it's great. Scott Atkins is the bloodiest fight you'll ever see in cinema is that oh my god it just goes on and on yeah. have you seen that one shot the scott atkins one that's on sky no i don't think so pretty much went straight to sky movies it's quite an enjoyable siege movie yeah i like watching his stuff the um obviously they've just finished they've just wrapped on accident man 2 haven't they cool good i really enjoyed the first accident man yeah me too nice cheap film but just yeah. like the martial arts in it was outstanding it did yeah. exactly what you want yeah 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 yeah, he was really, we had him on um, ACP for an episode yeah. and he was the nicest dude. And we were doing an interview, so he came on with Pat because he's just a huge fan of Accident Man, the comic. He said it was just his favourite thing as a kid growing up. And um, so him and I Pat I think that shows on. in the film, to be fair. Yeah, I think so. And um, we sort of finished the interview and we, you know, the, you've been on the ACP. We go, oh, and yeah, thanks anyway and see ya. And then we obviously, we obviously stay on and chat afterwards anyway. Um, but um, Pat thought we'd said goodbye to him, so he went. And Scott stayed on for ages. Yeah. <laughs> and he was just, uh, he, he just finished filming Ip Man 4, which is brilliant. Yeah. Um, and um, he wouldn't tell us about it. I was trying to get it out of him. He just wouldn't talk about it. He was quite funny, though, about it. He came trying. He's like this. Yeah. Yeah, what a dude. Yeah, and I love him. I think he's great. He would be my choice to play Remo Williams. I think he'd be a yeah. good Remo Williams if they rebooted that. Um, yeah. Um, back to this one. So the other the couple of the other act, actresses, actors, are they actors? They're all actors now, aren't they? The um, is Gina Gershon. Um, a very, I, I enjoy watching Gina Gershon movies just for the sort of ultimate trashiness of her. And she's well cast in this, I think. Yeah. So she, she she plays Richie's um, Richie Madano's sister. She's an Have actress you, that really should have been in more. We talked about this when we talked yeah. about Face Off. Oh, uh, of course. Bound, so she was mass. Bound, Bound was a really huge good. deal, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. I love Bang. Beyond the, uh, yeah, I'll watch it. There's a lesbian sex scene in it, like we all did. Don't pretend <laughs> anybody went into it for the story. We all went I'm the last person to pretend scene. anything other than that, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Showgirls as well, obviously. Yeah. Which is the one. But um, Yeah, but Showgirls yeah. I turned off when I was done. Bang, I watched at the end. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the bit, Carl McLaughlin, God bless him, in the swimming pool. But the, <laughs> uh, and... Have you noticed about how her and Richie Madonna look nothing alike? Yeah. And they look nothing like their parents. Yeah, I uh, I assume they were found rather than born. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were adopted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but she's great in this. I mean, she does very little in it, really, when you look at when you she's go back to She's got a fairly it. thankless role, to be fair. She has to stand there where Seagal tips yeah. her off his upside down. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I do like um, that he arrest, says he's going to arrest her for having a gun without a license. And then when he's got her there, he's just trumping up charges about her being a hooker. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, yeah. Bits of it. Yeah. There's a bit of that going on in that movie, isn't there? We just sort of fall over evidence, don't we? Quite a lot. Um, yeah. It's like much. when he goes around to see um, uh, um, Bobby's wife and he just picks her hand back up because he knows that's where it'll be. And he just finds that photograph. Yeah, it's convenient for the plot. But then again, convenient for the plot is the whole of Hollywood, isn't it? When you look at it. I like that yeah. he takes Terry the waitress with him to Roxanne's place. Yeah. He's I got would Terry too. the waitress and his dog in the car. 
Yeah. <laughs> See, that's why I love that movie. You know me, I'm an animal like dog lover, vegetarian, and like the fact he looked after that dog. I like I'm not that. sure. It's borderline neglect when he's like, oh, I forgot you were even here. <laughs> at least everything is getting shot to holes are getting shot and everything and there's this dog in the car all the time you just sit in the car and eat an ice cream um so the other one is joe champer who plays vicky felino who's his ex-wife yeah. who he gets back together with spoilers um now she was born in new jersey but moved to italy and was actually a really well-known runway model the Versace runway model in rome um she's not done a huge amount um still quite active on social media and all that sort of thing you know still sort of living the model high life i think um there's at joe champer official is the instagram one but she's also in don Juan de marco um she's in that and she's in bertolucci's little buddha if you ever saw that which was a big film at the time when it was a well respected again film. seen it a long time ago but yeah it's there's a lot of films from the 80s and 90s that were massive at the time that just massive just completely disappeared yeah yeah i think you're right yeah there is it's isn't like, there you suddenly remember they exist and you want to watch them and you can't find them streaming on anything you can't find them to buy on deep disc yeah. or, uh, unless you're willing yeah. to pay a fortune yeah on deadly ground it's really difficult to find you can rent it on amazon i think and that's it you know and that's got that's got um michael kane in it yeah and steven seagal <laughs> that um, might be why michael kane might be like let's know <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the, again look uh, people love there's like numerous un so I got sick of it in the end, listening and prep for this. I, was, I thought I'll download some podcasts about Stephen Scale. And they're all just like chuckleheads laughing at Stephen Scale and trying to laugh at him. But that dude was ahead of the game. You know, he did he did a lot of great movies. And then he also got into environmentalism. If you look on Deadly Ground, allegedly the speech at the end was originally an hour long. They had to cut it down about how we're ruining the planet. You know, and that was what, 96, 97? Yeah. You know, and what are we talking about all day now? Ruining the planet. You know. How you doing? Hey, Officer Big Shot, come to bust my balls, huh? Yeah. This here is a detective. What, narcotics now? That's right. Yeah. Now, I want you all to be very nice and tell this big fucker Mama Luke over here anything he wants to know. Oh, Vinny, come over here, Vinny. Listen, you shouldn't talk to me that way. You know why? Because, like, you and I, we don't know each other so good. You were still sucking your thumb when your brother was around town sucking dicks. Mm. But just the same, you shouldn't talk so tough, all right? My brother was here. You wouldn't talk shit like that. Yeah, but he's not here. And you know why he's not here? Why? Because he's a chicken shit fucking pussy asshole. You know? Don't go pushing my patrons around, you prick, you prick. Look around you over here. Is this the setting for profanity? Hey, fuck you. I need the book. How are you, buddy? Huh? Benny, you won't be over here using my bell for, like, illegal means, would you? Bookmakers and illegal activity, you know. You also would not know that uh, Richie owns this place and that he sells narcotics here because he's a fucking puke and he likes to pervert kids and stuff, huh? Drugs. Nobody uses drugs around here. Yeah. You don't know nothing, do you? Me and for that, huh? Anybody see Richie? Fuck you. Anybody know why Richie did Bobby Lupo? I get yeah. a bit sick of this this hypocrisy of you know oh, he's, that people think he's an easy target, but you know the, there's actually people who make careers out of just telling stories about him. John Lugamo, Lugamo, I can't know his yeah. name. Um, he's in this. Yeah, he has a brief cameo, doesn't he? As yeah, the he's kid boy, in the alley. boy in Alley. Yeah, that's it. Um, and he is um, he's obviously in um, Executive Decision as well. Yeah. And I have seen 
in research for this, I've seen him five times tell the story about how Steven Seagal kicked him in the bollocks. You know, he's told it on the stage. You know, he's actually making money out of this story, which, let's face it, if you're made to look like a right old plum by Steven Seagal, most people would probably try not to tell everyone about it, you know. But yeah, I, make... I like John Leguizamo, but he's done some questionable things in his time, like uh, altering Penelope Ann Miller's dresses on he? Carlito's way so that she thought she was putting weight on. Oh, really? I didn't know that. You know, okay. funny prank in the early 90s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shockingly no, shaming. horrible now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and ruining the Spawn movie with his overacting. To be fair to him, he did apologise to her eventually, so... Right, okay. Yeah, which, just, which is more than some people do, especially in this age of not apologising. Yeah, yeah. Or, or being held accountable for your actions. <laughs> yeah, or apologising and still being held accountable. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, sort yeah. of briefly then on the Seagal thing. Okay. Because he is a bit of an easy target. I mean, he's got... I don't want to go into controversy and that, because that's not what it's about. It's about the film. But he does have a bad reputation for sexual misconduct and putting stunt people in danger. Um. I mean, name name a big Hollywood star who doesn't have skeletons in their closet. Well, that's it. Exactly. I yeah. mean, and this is the film that has the legend or the film most associated with the legend of him shitting himself on set. Yeah, which he denies and which I've heard well, about. He would deny that, wouldn't you, to be fair? Movies. Yeah, um, yeah. So the story goes that he claimed he couldn't be choked out. There's a stunt, a famous stunt dude who turned up and choked him out. Yeah, and claims that he, he, he messed himself. And Seagal says that's a load of old shit. And it is kind of the story that seems to have, you know, gained ground on itself. Well, it's you one know. of those great stories, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's like the dead kid in Three Men and a Baby, isn't it? That's oh, actually a cardboard cut out of. Yeah, everybody for years reckoned there was a ghost of a dead kid that had fallen out of the building they were filming in. Oh, right. But it was bullshit because they were filming on the same stage and it's um just a cardboard cut out of a young Ted Danson. Right, or, okay. What's supposed to be a young Ted Danson. But yeah, I mean, it's things like that that just build. Yeah, they do. Legend, don't they? Yeah. And let's yeah, face yeah. it, the only people who are going to know are the people involved. Yeah, I watched Steven Seagal Orman, and he does do some proper stuff in that. I don't care what you say. Yeah. And they fucking love him in that, that little um, sheriff's office. Um, no, he's, he's probably not perfect, but then nobody is. But then again, he is seventy now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he sort of. I mean, they all of their careers sort of fizzled out eventually. Van Damme. Arnie is still only the only one that's not sort of rocked up and down. Bruce Willis sort of moved away from action movies before kind of going back to them for. I mean, if you want to go into the world of and, yeah, if you want to go into the world of comparing Seagal's later output against um, Bruce Willis's later output, I'd say they're probably much on a par. Yeah. yeah. There's some there's some Seagal movies that he's there for name only and he's in it for 15 minutes and there's an awful lot of those. Seems to be every week. There seems to be a new one on Sky Movies. Featuring Bruce Willis in on the poster and barely in the movie. That seems yeah. to be the. I mean, even John Cusack was doing them for a while. Right. Seems to be just the trajectory for. Yeah. Actors yeah. once they hit a certain age. I mean, at least they still get work. It's, if you're yeah. an actress, you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Till you, till you can play grandmother. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's yeah, it's not. I dig mean, it. I, mean, I like these people are not. The, the, movies I enjoy. People who go on about sorry, sorry to interrupt you, man, but people who go on about um, uh, movie stars. Oh, isn't it sad that they can't get a role? They got four million for that movie. Get over yeah. it. Go and work in a library or you know clean cars or something. You know what I mean? I've had to work. I work twelve hours a day. I don't care if these actresses want to go and moan about. Oh, there's no good roles for me. Get a proper job. 
it's was it was it Cole Pilkington says about singers. He says, I think we've probably got enough singers now, haven't we? Yeah. You know, I think we kind of have enough actors and actresses. What is it like five percent of all actors and actresses actually working? Well, then I would say that's a completely and utterly failing industry. Go and do something that actually helps people. Well, you kind of think by now that you'd recognise your moment. No way yeah. to come into an end and just yeah. maybe not blow all your money. And I'm not saying I'm not saying it's right or wrong that, you know, roles should dry up for. You know, I, I don't want to get into that whole debate. I'm of, um, I'm it's you know, below me should to Tom even, Cruise be. It's below me to even worry about it. Junior. We shouldn't have to worry about it, man. There's plenty to worry about in this world. We're worrying about that um, Gina Corona didn't get a role or, you know, or, or somebody else doesn't get a role. I don't care. Do you know what I mean? You know, they're, they're really still doing right. They're still earning more money than I am. So. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I'm, uh, I'm willing to bet a good few quid that you work harder than they do. You know, I mean, I think we we often we put these people up on a pedestal, don't we, for just being having the ability to often just badly read the lines that other people write. Yeah. You know, um, they're not multifaceted in their careers, Stu. They can't play the guitar at the end of the movie. They don't write it. They don't disarm <laughs> people with firearms. You know, they're not Seagal. Yeah, he's still working. He's still earning a few quid. He's still putting movies out. Attrition, which came out a couple of years ago, actually a pretty good film. Yeah. So yeah. why do you reckon sort of, because there was that big resurgence a few years ago with the Expendables, that sort of put Stallone and Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Certainly not that they ever sort of dropped out. They've always had the hardcore fan base. Yeah. But even brought Van Damme back for a bit. Yeah. Sort of Van Damme's had a resurgence. Seagal seems to have not. I think he turned it down, didn't he? I he think quite the, possibly the, did. Yeah. the conversation I've heard is that he turned it down. Um, I actually like the Expendables movies. I like a proper action movie. You know. Yeah, I think I just, the first Expendables was a bit soft. They didn't really lean into what they were going for, I think. And the third was a bit, they tried to go a bit new age. I'm looking forward to the new one. Um, but I like, um, I'm tired of actors and actresses who weigh about as much as a wet hanky, kicking people yeah. and, you know, just throwing them through a wall. I want to see people who look like they can throw a punch. I'm, si- I'm si- honestly sick of these this nonsense, you know, of everyone goes nuts over the new. Who's that? I saw an action movie with that dude from Harry Potter at one point. What is going on? You know, what oh, I mean, if he tried to punch me, I'd just laugh at him. He's done a couple of good war The Guns of Kimbo one's good, but then he's pretty much playing a guy who wakes up with. He did that one where he's an undercover. He's an undercover police officer who infiltrates a far right group, and he just looks like a child in a green jumper. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like I say, it's just, it's interesting with Seagal because he started out strong. Like I say, yeah. Pretty much his run from his first film up to Under Siege. Yeah. It's a pretty solid run. And I mean, he had an overall deal with Warner Brothers until Fire Down Below. And then he did yeah. Glimmer Man for him. Fire Down Below actually, lost money. Glimmer Man actually made him money. But by that time, they sort of parted ways with him yeah i actually rate glimmer man i rate um uh, exit wounds and i rate the one in the prison i forget the name of it now um which is actually a really good watch if you can find that watch that i'm just trying Under to Siege 2 is a perfectly enjoyable movie yeah yeah it's not as good as the first one but it's fine half past dead that's the name of it that's, that's it a cr- that's a cracker really is good yeah and the one where he fights vampires is not so good he's not in it much i mean it's like a bit of a blade thing um yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't remember, with the exception of Under Siege and Under Siege 2 and his exposition, I don't remember many of them coming out of the cinema, but then I was slightly too young, because, yeah. I mean, this one was 91, so I was 11 turning 12. Right, 
Yeah, I saw this on VHS. So I came into him. It was, it was late, under siege, but Steven Seagal on my radar. That yeah, was I think just... I rented Mark for Death and then went back and went to Nico and yeah. Hard to Kill. And then, I, then I saw Out for Justice came out. So Out for Justice was the big one we're waiting for. And then I saw Under Siege at the cinema. That's how Which it Which Under me. Siege for me was because it had Earth and Baywatch in it. Because that was the <laughs> yeah. hot talk of the playground. That's Again, <laughs> yeah. not going to lie, I was a teenage boy. That was the main reason any of us watched that film. That was the port. My, paused the moment wasn't it that ruined all the videotapes in blockbuster yeah the, i'm always um, disappointed with cake <laughs> yeah i mean i'll eat it but have you seen it which is the one that's got you know are you a, a watcher of coronation street there's a woman in it called carla who i think she runs the yeah i'm a factory or something i've seen coronation street i know enough to know who some people are i yeah, occasionally she, like to sit there with, when the wife's watching and be like who the fuck's that what she's in a movie she's in a cigar movie is she yeah she plays like the female character in the Scam movie. I th- I'm going to say, I think it's Belly of the Beast, but I'm not actually 100% sure on that one. It's one of the ones that he ended up falling out with the producers and they dub him badly in it. Uh, it's going to be one of the early 2000s. There was a weird thing in early 2000s of British soap stars appearing in. There was Tamsin Icewake appeared in one of those Wesley Snipes ones. Oh, that's right. Yeah, of course you did. Yeah. yeah. Just seemed to be a weird thing for a little while. It's like British soap actresses popping up in... Mind yeah, you, go from Hollyoaks is in the dark night, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. Mind you, he's, he's just done a comic, and he, Wesley Snipes. I wonder if Seagal would ever consider it. I remember, because, you know, I I spent I did a letter-writing campaign to um to ask uh, Jane McDonald if she'd do a comic with me. Yes. And uh, that never, well, it did come out in the end, where she fights ninjas. Um, but I don't think she knows about it, to be fair. But the um, I wonder if Seagal would do a comic with me. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. I mean, let's face it, everybody else is doing it, since Keanu Reeves did his one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That bloke from, ton of money. Who's that bloke from Star Wars and Moon Knight? He's just doing one at the moment, he. Yeah. I mean, well, early on into the, well, sort of early 90s, Mark Hamill was doing comments, wasn't he? He was one of the early of actors. Was. To, yeah, Black Pearl. Is that that's it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. That's a Dark Horse comic, early Dark Horse, wasn't it? It was, yeah. 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 Um, so this is a little challenge I set you. So I said to you, um, I might try and um, cast uh, Stephen Frederick Seagal as another character. Um, I think, firstly, a young Steven Seagal would have been a great Duncan Idaho yeah. in June. And uh, now older, Gurney Halleck. He should be Gurney Halleck in June. I think he would have been great as the sort of sensei. Um, from a comic point of view, I went to see who he'd make, you know, if they remade a comic movie. Are you aware of the character Blackjack Tar from Master of Kung Fu? Uh, yes, I'm aware of him. I've not. Yeah, I think he'd be a good one of those. Master of Kung Fu was a blind spot for me, I must admit, because I just how are we how are we friends, Stu? How how did that happen? Because Master of Kung Fu is so difficult to fucking get the good stuff, now. I know it is, yeah. And that dude who did the the movie that's a bit like a Pokemon movie. He won't sign him, will he? Won't he? He only signs the new yeah. stuff, yeah. Um, I think he'd make actually obliged to do that. <laughs> you would think so, wouldn't you? I think he'd make a. I think he would have made a good cable. Yeah, I think it'd be convincing as cable. Um. And also the, as Hitman. If you're doing a DC one, maybe. Yeah, no, I think the 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 Northern Irishness of or the Irishness of Hitman, I suppose, would be the the only yeah, stumbling. Yeah, but I'm, I'm but he has got range. He can play any nationality. Yeah. Root of where it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, I get mad. Yeah. Um, uh, Thunderbird as well in the X Men. I think a young yeah. a young man because he's got that sort of Native American stuff going on. I think from DC, I think. As we all know, Liam Neeson can't act, and he should have played Razor Ghoul. I think he'd have been great in that, especially with that beard he's got now. 
Yeah. I've never been convinced by Liam Neeson, ever. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's that movie that was sold on him punching wolves and then it never actually happens. Oh, doesn't it? I don't think I saw that one. Yeah. The Grey. It's yeah. Actually quite a bleak fucking film, to be fair. Yeah, Not the, the enjoyable really romp thinks in. Yeah. Um, or Deathstroke. Yeah. I think Actually, yeah, Deathstroke. Yeah. Yeah, ignore me. Fucking hit, man. What was I thinking? It's just got See based what? on the look. See what I'm saying now? Range. That's yeah. what I'm saying, mate. Yeah, dude's got range. Fuck, he probably could have been Lobo. If they'd made a Lobo movie in the 90s. Oh, yeah. He could have with his cigar and a go riding a dolphin. More dry wit than... Oh, that'd have yeah, been brilliant. Lobo wit. Just eviscerating people left, right and centre. Oh, that's a good one. I like that one, Lobo. Did you see that he was in that um, Krypton movie, the TV series Lobo? Did you see that? I saw he was in it. I've not got it. I've got the first season on DVD to watch. I'm always slightly put off by the David S. Goyer factor of it. Right. Because I just the, look at what he did with Man of Steel and just be kind of like, oh, uh, okay. Superman stuff. But apparently it's a really good series. Is it? Like, I saw the bit with Lobo because there's a bit of it on YouTube. We were doing, I did a Lobo episode for the podcast with um, Al. And um, he's actually really well done in that series. The most convincing yeah. thing, actually. Looks cracking. Yeah, because there's always a worry that it's going to be, as much as I enjoyed Smallville, it's very TV version. Their version of Doomsday yeah. is fucking just a guy with a bit of rubber stuck on him. Yeah, by the end of it, it did look like they were just playing against a curtain or something. Some of it, didn't they? <laughs> like I say, I, I hated Smallville when it started and then learned to accept it for what it was and actually quite enjoyed it towards the end. But Yeah, I sort of dipped into it because it had stuff like Legion of Superheroes. It had Hawkman. You know, these little things it had in it that I thought, oh, this well, yeah, Superheroes in this thing. Yeah. Sort of before the Arrowverse, it was the closest we were getting to yeah. proper comic book stuff on the screen. It was, yeah, and it had Green Arrow, didn't it? And it had um, I mean, I grew up and, on Lois and Clark, and I love Lois and Clark, but it was very much, you know, we're kind of embarrassed about the fact we're cannot, a comic book thing, to the point where Lois and Clark didn't even look at comic books anymore, I don't think. Right, yeah. Um, and Smallville was a bit like that to begin with. It's like, we're based on Superman, but don't tell anybody it's a fucking comic, all right? It was always super, I was always super frustrated that he never actually put the costume on until right at the end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Well, well, there you go. Became excuses to keep him out of it, didn't it? But, yeah. <laughs> that was a nice little podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that was a nice little rush through the, one of the greatest films. I mean, top ten film for me. This, you know, I mean, Segal is on my rush more of the greatest actors, greatest film performance performance ever. You know, um, if I had to have you know the four people on Mount Rushmore, he'd definitely be at least two of them. I think. Um, yeah, it's great. I mean, the nineties was a weird time for action movies as well, wasn't it? Because the early 90s you still had your stallones i think schwarzenegger up till last action hero which talked about on a another episode that was sort of where the schwarzenegger bubble burst yeah so he came off of t2 that massive high to last action hero and then he jumped know, the shark a bit of, with me with action hero it was too knowing it was too winky for me you know yeah I, I think that was a film that suffered from its you know preceding reputation rather than and the old John Luca Fiali, I'm suspecting. But yeah, sort of what people wanted in an action hero sort of changed, didn't it, with Nick Cage and going a bit more, for want of a better term, weedy action hero. Not the Nick yeah. Cage weedy, but you know what I mean. Yeah. The, the muscle-bound martial arts action hero yeah. kind of dropped off. Because I mostly remember Seagal movies being on video. I don't remember them coming out in cinemas much. 
Okay. Yeah, I think even that was the, probably the even case. The later ones in the nineties. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, I mean a lot of them. It was the only way you can watch them. I mean a lot of them don't even make it on DVD. You have to find them on streaming services. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, early two thousands, he was king of the straight to DVD, wasn't he, for a while? Yeah. Yeah. Those Sony ones that came out in an orange box. But he's made about forty movies now at this point. Yeah. I yeah, mean, fair play to him. He's still going. <laughs> and he's uh, Machete, I suppose, was the last one that was at the cinema. Yeah, probably was. Yeah. Where he plays the villain quite convincingly. That's a good film. He's got those little shades on. I kind of like the look there. You know. Yeah. Yeah, he can. He would have been a good villain. In like an Expendables movie. I know Van Damme did the second one. Yeah. But yeah. Maybe and, he should uh, lean into the reputation and play bad guys more. Yeah, maybe. Just be like, yeah. fuck it, if you're gonna. I yeah. mean, look at how much fun William Forsythe seems to have playing the bad guy in this. <laughs> yeah, I know. He is good in this Forsythe. I do like him in this. He is, I, I he's one of those very underrated. Too many donuts, but he, he, he is good in it. Yeah. Like I say, he starts off when he pulls the woman out of the car and just shoots her in the fucking head because she honked her horn at him. I actually um, think that's a really well written piece of scripting. It's it's very blunt. Yeah. It's almost like a Mark Miller moment. You know, you just it's you encapsulate him in that one moment. You realise this is a dude who's who's on a highway to nothing. You know, he's going to die at the end of this film. In fact, he knows that, doesn't he? When he goes to that part at the end, he knows he's going to die. Well, yeah, because he's not fine. exactly being low-key and is laying low. I know he's off his tits on coke, but... Yeah, yeah. Sort of throwing a party at your ex-hooker's house, which is quite a nice roomy house. Yeah, that was actually LA, that one. That was, they doubled that for because they ran out of time. Yeah, they did about 10 days in Brooklyn, didn't they? And yeah, then, yeah, yeah. Um, Smoking crack in the front passenger seat of a car is never a good look, you know. It's never well, going to end well, is it, if you're doing that? Probably not, no. No. Especially if you've got somebody beeping their horn at you. I do love that conversation they're having about the rat or the mouse. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, will you shut the fuck up about the mouse? <laughs> but if you look at that, it's very Tarantino. It it's is. Like talking yeah, I was about thinking the, that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tarantino is the one to bring him back. Uh, yeah, I think, well, I think he could role. alter him. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you think oh, Segal well. would do it, though? I don't know. I, think, I mean, he is ain't a young man now. He's quite happy. Yeah, he's got his I, I think he likes to either be in control of his. I think, a, with the exception of Under Siege, like I said, I think Stephen Scale likes to be in a Stephen Scale movie. Yeah. Certainly, looking at the early, these first four and the ones that came after, even Under Siege Two feels a bit more Stephen Scale than Under Siege does. Under Siege yeah. feels very restrained for him. Yeah, it's a, it's a, almost like a comedy role. Which is is part of my theory that Die Hard started murdering action movies at that point because it was about the quip. And f, f me, man, Marvel movies are suffering from it now. I wish they'd just actually say what they mean, you know, rather than having to end it with a little joke after every single line they say. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got different issues with Marvel movies at the moment. I think. Marvel peach with Endgame, and now they yeah. don't really know where to go, and they're just trying to chase that high again. Yeah, it's like yeah. just everyone talks they the either, same. They either do small films like Shang Chi, where they're introducing new character, and just don't do it interestingly enough. No, I still maintain Master... they could have done a really interesting, like seventies inflected kung fu movie. Well, that's what it is. He's, a, he's a, he works for MI six. That's you it, know, and it was just. I mean, I quite like enjoyed Shang Chi for what it was. Point... It was fine, but it was. Oh, you don't get me started. At one point, they, they actually use creatures that look like they're in a Pokemon movie. Yeah. It's, they, they, he's a martial artist. It was based on Bruce 
actually. There's no two ways about it. And he's a master of Kung Fu, but he can't win in a fight against a girl. His mum beats him up at one point. That's embarrassing. And his sister, who's about the size of a chopstick, beats him up, punches him once and knocks him out. It's embarrassing. It's a, yeah. it's a ridiculous film. And it's just it's just the name of the character. And that's it. And after the movie, he's called Sean. Yeah. It's yeah. awful. It's broke my heart, my friend. Well, yeah, because like you say, it was. <laughs> it was Marvel cashing in on the high of the Bruce Lee movies at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. Yeah. And there's, there's moments that are straight out of Bruce Lee movies. Yeah. You know? But I mean, um, there's, <laughs> there's covers where it's like. It is Bruce Lee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And they they used um. I mean, Gillespie lent into using actors, um. In um. In in throughout throughout a lot of his comics. Yeah. But beautiful. Yeah. Like, and the one of the beauties, one of the reasons I love them. We're so off the subject now. But one of the reasons I love Master of Kung Fu is this is the end of the monologue. You you hear him. He's the narrator of his own story. Yeah. And he's a pacifist, and you know he's forced to fight, and they've just forgotten all that. You know, he's now like this jokey character. I mean, the new comic, he does selfies with people. And you're like, what is going on with the world now? It's, yeah, I mean, again. Let's fight a dragon stuff. at the end of it. Yeah. I, I got, I'm much more interested in going back in comics rather than keep moving forward. Yeah. Well, I'm a bit that. I have to admit, I'm a bit like that with movies. Um, I'm not well, yeah, a fan I mean, of many movies. changed, movies. didn't it? If you're yeah. not a superhero movie, you tend to, like I say, that new Scott Atkins on the one shot went straight to sky it's a perfectly fine action movie yeah probably it would if it was released in the 90s it would have got a cinema release yeah okay but it's yeah. just i mean don't get me wrong i love i love marvel and dc comics you know yeah. i've read i read them every day and have for my whole of my life pretty much um but i do i almost now i'm beginning to see what scorsese meant you know i'm beginning to side with him i never thought i would and I, you know, after the, I mean, there's so many of these movies come out, it's all I ever see at the cinema. I don't get that much time to me it's myself, so it's they're they're the movies I see at the cinema. And then I sat down the other day and I had an, a night on my own and I watched Belfast, the Branagh movie, and I, I thought, I thought that's fucking filmmaking, mate. That's I went to the cinema to watch that. Loved it, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. What it's, a film! It's up there in my films of the year so far. I've got. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> And again, yeah. that was a film that could have gone horribly the other way. It could have been horribly sentimental, but he nailed that tone perfectly. Oh, so good. The black and white, the way it was shot, and even a little shout to the Thor comic just cheered me up. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I really liked that. Yeah. And yeah. Again, that perfectly captured the excitement of reading a comic as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Didn't I'm not, yeah. not going to wait till I get home. I'm going to sit on the side Kids and read it. So in it. Yeah. Man, shit, I walked into reading comics while I was walking along. I couldn't yeah. wait to get home to read them. Yeah, Branner's the dude, man. I'd cast yeah. like, like Seagal. I'd cast him in anything. Um, we we were talking to Mark Miller about King of Spies, and um, I said, "What about Branner?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's obviously written for Dudar Bond, but I, I think Branner would kill on it, absolutely kind of that. Yeah, and no, I agree. When listening to that episode when he said, it, I was like, one time, I was a kid. Pino was gonna like take me to the movies, right? Sunday matinee. Yeah. But first we go to the candy store, met the Amazon, 86, you remember the place? Who the hell could forget that place? We see this guy, he's filling up his pockets, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Pino grabs him by the throat, drags him outside, throws him a beating. Bing, bang, boom! Oh. <laughs> Puts him in the trunk of the car, drives to the movies with him in the trunk. 
Let's go to the movies. We're in the movies. I'm not watching. Well, I'm thinking to myself, well, what about this guy in the trunk, you know? <laughs> I think to myself, he killed him. He's, <laughs> he's dead, dead, right? He's dead. I run back around the pino. I says, Pino, you killed the guy. Pino's bored. Brings me around the front, gives me the keys. He says, Gino, do what you got to do. I says, man, you me. What am I going to do? I'm nine years old, right? So what you do? He gives me the keys. I open the trunk. I see this grown man staring at me. Me, you must have been scared shit. I got Pino over here. We're always scared of him. <laughs> I says to the guy, hey, you, get the fuck out of here. Zoom. I blink. He's in Hoboken. Uh, he took off like a shot. Like a bird. Nine years old, you scared the shit out of him. <laughs> the son of a bitch. Nine years old. I'm looking at Pino and thinking to myself, my God, what a great guy. I always wanted to be a wise guy. Look at us now under God. Who would have ever thought that I would have become a cop, eh? Hey, Lucky, you know, every God's a puppeteer. And uh, we're just on the end of the strings. Yeah, but God has a strange sense of humor, you gotta admit. Yeah, maybe you're right. See, that would be an interesting Seagal movie. A bit like what you talked about in the Mark Miller film, is the aged expert coming back. Yeah, the, the, the wilderness years almost, isn't it? The, la- the last years, yeah. You could do with something a bit like, have you seen the Nick Cage film Pig? No, I haven't, no, I hear it's good. Sort of, you could do with like one of those sort of indie action movies pig isn't an action movie at all but it's right. very much that guy lives out in the wilderness you think pig's going to be an action like a ridiculous nick cage action movie where he just wants his pig back but right it's not but something like that with seagal would be quite interesting i think yeah just in yeah, his, like an asian zen master who lives out in the woods you know yeah yeah people yeah. a bit like in the second wolverine movie where he walks into that bar because somebody's killed his bear well, it's not his bear, but it's the bear that lives by him. Yeah, I like that. Which was straight out of the comics, wasn't it? Yeah, and that's what I wanted that whole fucking movie. I just wanted Wolverine going around finding out who killed his bear. Yeah, but like you say, like Logan, um, yeah. like that's another one. Or like um, the last Rambo movie. I haven't seen it yet, but I hear that's a bit like an old man lives on his own kind of thing. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the Rambo movies, I must admit. The first right. one's all right, and then yeah, the first he just becomes good, a completely actually. different character in the later ones. Yeah, He's not indeed. even fucking Rambo anymore. <laughs> Yeah, the first one is actually a, 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 um, a polemic on PTSD in a way. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, the first one's a guy in a situation he doesn't want to be in. After yeah. that, it sort of becomes a bit. Maybe it's about marriage. <laughs> um, by all accounts, he goes a bit Trumpy in the later Rambo ones. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which Good. you know, it's, it's fine if it's done. Right. Let's face it. Red Dawn's the biggest fucking Reagan era movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind Red Dawn, the first one. I like Red yeah. Dawn. Yeah, I um, like I've never seen movie. the remake. I didn't really see the point of it. It was very much a piece of its time. It's very CGI, the remake. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Well, yeah, they had to CGI the enemy, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. Didn't, didn't they ever originally have them as China and then they had to change it to Korea or something? Oh, did they? I didn't know that. It was one of those because they realised that they were going to fucking lose a lot of money by having it as China. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Because, you know, Red Dawn makes sense if it's China. <laughs> well, yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah, it does, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it's the thing. Logically, yeah, if you're yeah. not going Russia, then China is your next Red Army kind of thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, can't, you can't really do Russia anymore, can you? Because they, you know, they're not really a communist country anymore. Are they, let's face it, they're probably the opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, Matt. Well, I, I enjoyed watching this. I have taken a deep dive into. I've probably watched ten of his movies since you suggested we suggested it. You said come on, and I suggested this one. Yeah. Um, I'm, I've had I've had fun of it. You know, I really have. It's just fun yeah. movie making. I mean, fun movie it's watching. got some clunky fucking dialogue in it. It's got some, like you know, the montages are weird. Let's face it, it's like a music video. It's got a weird thing where they've got extended clips from the film playing over the end credit or under the end credits. Yeah, that is strange, isn't it? Yeah, it's just bizarre. It's kind of like just in case you didn't get enough to go. It's weird his kid isn't in the final scene as well. Yeah, and he does, but he does kick an animal abuser in the balls in the last scene. And then that that animal pees on him. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I just thought it's like, oh, he's back with his wife, but where's his kid? (laughs) Usually in these films, you'd have he's still in the bath after the flat got shot up. He's still lying in the bath. Yeah, if your flat's getting shot up and somebody tells you to get in the bath, don't. Keep poking your head up. What the fuck? I got to tell you, baths are no protection to bullets either. That's I don't know who made that story up. Yeah, yeah. it's one of those weird Hollywood things, isn't it? After yeah. lethal weapon. Yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh, I mean, yeah, I've I've never had a bath that strong. Yeah. <laughs> but like I say, it's got some great lines in it as well. I love his wife's yeah. delivery of "damn you" in the department when he says he's yeah. got to drop the kid off. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, that's not. That's a great over the top. Delivery. Don't overreact. You know. Bob, Bobby's wife is like proper soap opera acting when she's he's just been shot down in front of her. Admittedly, yeah. I've never had, you know, if my wife was gunned down on the street in front of me, I can't say I'd react any differently. But yeah, yeah. And uh, Segal loves telling stories about the neighborhood as well. I love these little yeah. sides. It's like little Dave Allen asides. So he's saying bing, bang, boom. He's saying things like that all the time, isn't he? Put him yeah. in the boot of the car. Yeah, and his little mate, who's the mafia bloke, they're apparently the same age and the mates. That's when it. they were kids and he called him lucky yeah all that sort of thing see that's good i like that that actually gives it more depth than we used to get with this sort of thing i mean uh, I, i've heard there's the rumor is that Segal said this was his on the waterfront and i can see why he thought that because it it did have the personality of the neighborhood in it you know um oh, I, I, only, uh, yeah, I can only say it would on the waterfront would be as good as out for justice if it included more aikido in it that's all i'll say well he could have been a contender yeah and julie strain the, the scene I meant to mention, and I forgot, was uh, when the hooker asked him if he wants to fuck. And, and he, he just laughs. Like laughing, and then drives up to the other guy's like, do you watch it? That feels like they didn't tell him what was going to happen. Yeah, it does, not it? Yeah, like, yeah. it was just random people on the street. They were just, you know, undercover right. filming kind of thing. Yeah, it might have been, mightn't it? Yeah, I hope that was the case. I actually think he showed a lot more sense of humour in those earlier films. Well, he's, he's actually really funny in Under Siege. Yes. Yeah, he actually makes you laugh in Under Siege. Yeah, because well, yeah, uh, again, not not to push your buttons, but there is one of the things that's leveled it to Gal is that he's a bit of a personality vacuum in films. Yeah, but, you see, that's just jealousy. I mean, he's very one note, but he's very funny with it. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think the problem with some films is that he takes himself too seriously. Maybe he needs to, like, say it's it's the Vin Diesel thing, isn't it? It's like, yeah. you do realise you're in a film where you just jump one car from one building to another and you've just shot another one into fucking space. Loosen up. <laughs> yeah. It ain't oh, Riddick, Riddick was all right. I like Riddick. I like those three Riddick movies. I wish you'd do another one, actually. I've only seen Pitch Black. I must admit, I'm not. I really like uh, new, Pitch Black. Yeah, they're all right, actually. The second one is like a real sci-fi epic. Yeah, it's an interesting film. Very different. And the third one's a bit more sort of straight to DVD looking. Yeah, it was at the cinema. The uh, yeah, it was so off the thing there, but but um, 
yeah did you enjoy watching it though was it a, was it it wasn't a chore was it out for justice oh no I, I really enjoyed it it's got a really nice pace to it as well i hmm. as much as it's disappointing that more was cut from it because i think there are some elements that need a bit richie could do with a bit more characterization he's very one note yeah um and like I say, it does feel a bit repetitive at times, but I really fucking enjoyed it. Yeah. But then I like dumb action movies. Not yeah. to say this is dumb, but I like just switching my brain off, just a guy going around fucking shit up. I like it as a revenge movie. Yeah, That's exactly. I like it. Yeah. A vengeance movie. That's why yeah. I like it. Who doesn't yeah. have a good revenge movie? Yeah. 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 It's a, but yeah, I mean, sort of. Daddy always... Daycare, that's a revenge movie, isn't it? But very much so. Yeah. And I read a whole I read a whole review once of Daddy Daycare as if written as if it was a zombie movie. <laughs> and it's the funniest thing I've still ever read. Yeah. Okay. Um, Good. Thanks for that, so, man. No, I enjoyed that. Right. Thanks for inviting me on. That's all Good right. Stuff. Just quickly sort of wrap okay. it up. Yeah. Because I, I like to ask, because usually action movies, not as many as you think, actually, but they tend to try and become franchises. So would you have liked to have seen a sequel? No. I'm no. not a great believer in sequels. No, I'm not. It's diminishing returns, but it is, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it's weird now that uh, an action movie would make sort of double its budget, and still they'd be like, no, no, just leave it. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, but then it I think Segal a bit like some of the others. He was the franchise in himself. Yeah, maybe they had the eye on um, Under Siege at that point. You know, they knew that was coming. Yeah, again, that should have been a one done. As, as enjoyable as the second one is, it doesn't need to be an Under Siege movie. Yeah, pepper spray. <laughs> but um, do you reckon they'll ever remake it? No, I hope not. It's, I don't think there's enough there to remake. I think it's just, like you say, it's a Seagal vehicle. That's what it's remembered for. That's what um, a big reason why I enjoyed it, I think. Yeah. It'll be made yeah. with some lightweight actor who, you know, has got, you know, 28 waist and, you know, wears skinny, skinny jeans and it would be rubbish. It'd be either Vin Diesel or, yeah, like you say, it'd be a YA kind of actor. It'd be fucking Sandra Bullock or they'd reimagine some stupid actor or actress to do it and it would be a waste of time. I yeah. kind of watch Sandra Bullock going around, smashing a bar up and beating people with <laughs> yeah. a pool ball and a towel. I'd be down <laughs> for that movie, actually. Yeah. All right, that's the only remake I'd watch. <laughs> yeah. Especially if it's James Corden getting his fucking teeth knocked out. Oh yeah, James Corden is the uh, the biker. That'd be fine. <laughs> I love the fact he tells him he's knocked his teeth out and just stands there for it to happen again. Yeah, and he does, and he does him again with the same thing, doesn't he? Say yeah. that, and um, the Bobby who isn't the cop Bobby, but his Bobby shirt, or whatever his name is, when he gets his leg shot off. Yeah, he's going to shot my leg shot off. Shot my leg off. <laughs> That's brutal. He shoots hilarious. his leg off. That really does. That shows what a shotgun can do yeah. to your leg. Yeah. Well, yeah, because usually it's a shotgun and you just like, you know, flesh all wound or blown back against the wall. Yeah, unless you're Seagal, he got shot, didn't he? But he was all right. Yeah, but, you know, Aikido means that he can't get shot. Well, the only reason he got shot in that was to make it a fairer fight between him and Forsyth, I think. Because, you, yeah. because we're so, we're so, um, um, we, we so know, we're so aware that Seagal can beat anyone that he has to have a vulnerability to make a fight work. So he's shot, which Forsyth grabs, doesn't he? Grabs the, the injury. And yeah. in the fight with um, uh, Sticks, he's actually been hit. He actually does it on his, his knees because he's been whacked on the back of the knee by someone else. Yeah. 
So it shows there's a vulnerability and a possibility that he will, you know, get beaten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but he doesn't. No, of course not. Yes. All right then. No, awesome man. I'd say I've not revisited this film in years. Sort of mm-hmm. After Under Siege came out, and I went on a bit of a cigar get kick back in the early nineties. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was. This is one of those ones that I tend to catch it on like TCM. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Late at night or one of those great movies once you know, the ass end of the five action, channels. I think. Five action is showing it at the moment. You can get it on there. Because I always seem to flick it over when it's the uh barroom scene. Yeah. You know, anybody seen Classic. Richie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that and his delivery of somebody Yeah. <laughs> so he loves to roll his ease. But yeah. awesome Who's man. Whose sausage is this? <laughs> Don't be a bad guy. Be a nice guy. Yeah. I love that they call that line back in the end credits as well. Yeah. Within the song. Oh yeah, yeah. I've but, actually got I've got his albums. They're all right. Well worth listening to. They're quite good. Mojo Priest probably is my favourite of the two. Cool. Mm. I've uh, I don't think I've listened to his albums. I've listened to Costner's albums and I've listened to Billy Bob Thornton's albums. Okay. Billy Bob Thornton's albums surprisingly enjoyable. But. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Everything's on Spotify now, isn't it? Yeah, or maybe yeah. not. Have they taken Joe Rogan down yet? No, no, not yet. no we're not <laughs> touching that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Neil Young. He had a he stamped his foot and left, and everyone went, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> anyway, speaking of controversy and oh, calling yeah. it, uh, what what can people be looking out for from you, Tribute Press, still? Yeah, so thanks, man. So by the time you hear this, we will have had Hidden Lives out for a, a while. Hidden Lives is the um, spiritual continuation of The Hall Chronicles, and it yeah. tells um, short snapshots into people's lives that uh, sort of give you a, a wider look at what they're into. So a two or three page of a conversation and, and the, the implications of the conversation are bigger. And I've worked on that with uh, a load of people, Johnny Cannon, Rachel Ball, John Tucker, the PXD, Dan, Vince designed that issue. Um so very, very proud of what they've done on that. I, I really blew me away, some of the art on that. Some really nice tonal shifts in it as well. Thank you, mate. Cheers. I, I really like I like Dan's one just for the... It broke it up nicely because it was a little bit like, fuck, I'm going to cry in a minute. Yeah, it's, um, that's a, the bleakest one. And I knew I could trust him with that because obviously the, the subject matter is quite upsetting. The, the one I had with Rachel, because I write the backstory of the characters for the artists yeah. as well, which you don't always see. And I wrote quite a long one for Rachel's one. And, and she was, um, she was really interested. You know, we had a lot of chat. I love Rachel, uh, Rachel Ball's work. She was really interesting. And Johnny Cannon's one um, was great as well. That was quite a lot of backstory to that. And yeah, the, the collaborative process with everyone was great. We, we really sort of back and forth, even on the pinups, there was a lot of conversation. Um, on that and i know you were on the whole chronicles one so you kind of you kind of got the the, the back seat you know what happens yeah um yeah very much um and then the other one we've got out so we actually um as we speak i'm about to travel out to canada to go to the toronto comic art festival and then travel down to north carolina to charlotte's um heroes con and so we were going to have um just the one comic out for it which would have been hidden lives but at one point it looked like we weren't going to get it over the line in time we we did in in the end so adam um and i discussed it and we we decided to do an anthology of stories just me and him that um is called um, dirty basement one dirty basement zero was um a patreon only thing which was just kind of a little fanzine really dirty basement one is um much more sort of different stories um but very much back into the 
the Herc tribute press kind of stuff that you're probably used to if you if you've read any of our comics. So there's um there's a comic we based um we based on Franz Kafka's Metamorphosis. Um, but what if you're an internet troll rather than a cockroach? There's a story about that. Um, I can't say the word. I know I swear a lot, but I even can't say that word. We're using that one. Um, there's one that is um um called about a man called Cockbiter, who's um who, he's a villain. He runs around orgies, biting people on the cock. Um, yeah, so it's it's the usual stuff. You'll you'll see. Yeah. I'll work on that. And Adam's literally. While we've been talking, Adam's just sent me the cover for that. It's outstanding. Adam, Adam has really stepped up. Um, I showed it to Danny the other day, and he said, "Man, Adam's getting good and better and better and better." And I, and I'm, I'm really excited to see that. So we'll have the two books, or we will have had the two books by the time you hear this at that convention. Um, I'm working on Hank for number two, so I've half written it. And he's waiting for the next pages for me. Um, yeah. Daryl. Um, so really excited yeah, Dar- about that. Again, talking about people's work leaping forward, Daryl. Yeah. I mean, Daryl's yeah. work was great anyway, but really pushed him out of his comfort zone. I love his little mini comics he's been sending through as well. They're nuts, aren't they? Aren't they nuts? Daryl's Dar- really interesting as a creator, as well as an individual, obviously. But as a creator, he came to us and he said, look, I'm doing a lot of kids' comics and I'm I'm just sort of jonesing to do something different. You know, uh, would you write something? So I wrote him um, a, a book called George Mayhem, which yeah. is kind of a violent street book, really about a cannibal who lives under the sewers but it has again it has this story of ptsd in the background and we we, we wrote it that way and i was really really impressed with him and we did oh, it it's in a beautiful format. book He's i so know it sounds weird to say given how much like you know people getting their faces pummeled in kind of happens in it but. <laughs> yeah yeah um and then he came up with this, this character called hank and said what can you do with this and just sent me this sort of redneck character and we've developed it and it was in dui actually the first hank story um um called fuck a duck i think we called the story um but the the new version of it is basically a techno furry comic um so is where we're going with it yeah because that ran on the patreon didn't it um the first one uh yes yeah that's right yeah so we're really pleased and that that, that came, we printed the first issue as a prestige format that came it's a gorgeous out little book as well yeah really pleased that it turned out that and george mayhem both Always have friends who are graphic designers, my friend. That's the best way to work. Yeah. So um, Vince did Hidden Lives. Adam does our stuff. And um, Daryl does the stuff I do with him. And they, they're all brilliantly designed. And we think a lot about the colour, the use of colour on it and stuff like that. And the second one's in the way. He's, he's, he's written the – he's drawn the first ten pages. So we're, we're getting there. It's, it's almost there over the line. And that will probably be ready for Nottingham is the plan. Cool. Um, Nottingham's October, isn't it, I think. Is that right? End of October, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to get yeah, that printed. Yeah, 29th, I think. The the third in the Hall Chronicles Hidden Lives book is being written by me at the moment, so um, probably gonna start approaching creators about that in cool. maybe in a couple of months. It's kind of the plan. Yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah no, busy man, really busy actually. Busiest stuff ever been in comics, creating. You know, so I think Adam, no, I mean, Adam and I have made as well. Adam and I, that's that'll be our thirteenth comic we've done together. Yeah, uh, which is quite something. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just dragged along by these people much younger than me, encouraging me to do ridiculous stuff and sort of thinking it's funny. That's how it works. Oh, man, you got to do it. <laughs> yeah. So now's the time to do it as well. Yeah, I'm a pensioner now, so I can do what I like. Yeah. That's it. It's that, and let's face it, mainstream comics isn't getting much more exciting at the minute. It's not really, is it? Small press in Indies seems to be where it's at, <laughs> now. Yeah, yeah. And we're sort of very much in that underground f- zone. You know, we get the outlaw comics thing as it's become known. We live in well, that, yeah. Um, yeah. You're in that beautiful spot where you don't have to worry about somebody 
be on Twitter getting offended. <laughs> yeah, I almost think we're a bit impenetrable around that. We're a bit invulnerable against the because we've been so outrageous. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we did in Herc Four, we destroyed building you with jizz. You know. So. <laughs> And that's on a long. Daryl said on the lethal weapon when we did the lethal weapon one that he was like he sent um, one of his mini comics. He said he sent it to you, and you were like, no, no, that's a bit too far. Like, oh, I know, I know, it's too far. Yeah, then we're really in trouble, aren't we? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was just a pet peeve of mine, but yeah, it's okay. Yeah, now his mini comics are great, man. Yeah, really good. They are great. Just, it does the mentalist stuff. Truck stop. You know, Pussy Man Fists, the best title ever of any comic ever done. You know. Yeah, it's, no. <laughs> I say I love it when they come through because like, I've got no idea what to expect from this. Yeah, I do. I do love sending him scripts. He gave he gave I think his missus one of my comics and she read it and handed it back to him. And all she said was, why? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the quotes you want on the back. I know. I know. Yeah. It's yeah. A bit like, I like giving my wife some of the stuff and just so I can get the quote of like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Like, That's going on the back. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, it's just having fun with it, man. Don't care what it sells. Don't care what people think about it. Do what you like. Just having fun. That's all we're doing. Right? In, in, That's, uh, yeah. Same with anything. Podcasting, yeah. comics, whatever you're doing. Don't fucking worry about it. Just do it because you want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. There's those people, there's those haters on online or whatever they want to be. They can go on about it all they like, but I don't really care. To be fair, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do what you it's want. It's not like you're going out and hurting people, is it? It's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although if I see them, I'll probably hurt them. But you know, other than that, you know, Seagal style. You know. <laughs> they see you coming at them with a giant sausage in your hand. <laughs> yeah, I to be it is. Yeah, some bloke who looks like a 1950s baseball star attacking me. But the <laughs> Yeah, so convention-wise, we've got obviously TCAF and Heroes coming up. Um, Bridlington um, doing that. I'm probably going to do that with the dude on from on the ACP the other day. He's offering free tables to small press people, which is really nice of him. So we're going to probably going to me and Falpy will probably take a trip to the seaside, uh, and then Nottingham, and that's kind of our year really. Um, I've got a pop into MCM at the end of the year, but I'm not tabling or anything. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. I mean, I'll put all the links and everything in the show notes. For, like, that's very kind of you, man. Tribute yeah, and that you. and the ACP and the like. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, like I say, cheers for doing this, man. And oh, man, I love all this. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll talk yeah. for a little bit after we start recording. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, cool. My pleasure, man. Thank you. Awesome. Cheers, man. See ya. See ya. You're fuck nuts. You're talking to me. Yeah, you know, you wouldn't have to be the guy who uh, threw a puppy out of the window in the sky the other day. Yeah, what's your fucking business anyway? Of course, I'm an animal lover, you know. Animal lover? Yeah. Yeah? Look, asshole, you don't mind your fucking business, I'll stuff you in a fucking plastic bag. I throw you out a fucking window. How's that? You're a tough guy, huh? Tough guy? I'll show you how fucking tough hey, I am. My balls. My balls. My balls. That was Out for Justice, and why not? I'd like to thank Tony for joining me on the episode to talk about the film. Be sure to check out the Awesome Comics podcast, Never Run Anything podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from, and Tribute Press and all their comics. Uh, you can check out the links in the show notes for where to find all of that stuff. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode and be bothered to do so, please give the episode a share and tell your friends about it. And why not give the series a follow or subscribe over on Acast or wherever you listen to the episodes. 
or don't, it's up to you. If you missed the Summer of Action special episode so far, or any Am Why Not episodes, you can find them on our podcast channel over on Acast, or on our website at hauntednerds.com, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Join us back here next week when I'll be joined by Rachel Lee Carter to bring this series of specials to a close with Face Off. But until then, this has been a Nerds Who Haunted Themselves production, and I've been Stuart Moraine. Thanks for listening, and remember, we're going to keep coming back until somebody remembers seeing Richie. Bye for now. <laughs>